Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. This reading is all about the new Jerusalem, and it's in Revelation chapter 21. And I'm going to read the first eight verses. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with human beings, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To those who are thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who overcome will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death, and this is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Eileen. Let's just pray. Lord, we pray that as we come to your word, we believe you speak to us, and on this occasion particularly, that you speak to us about things that we can scarcely imagine or comprehend, let alone deduce for ourselves. And so we pray that you would open 
the eyes of our minds and our hearts to see what you have to say to us today and that our lives will be changed through it. In Jesus' name, amen. What is heaven? What is heaven? There are many privileges of having uh, moved to Croydon. One of the ones that I hadn't fully anticipated is that the particular neighbourhood that I'm in seems to be well attuned to people at a particular stage of life. So uh, on a Saturday evening, there is usually someone in the summer having a 50th birthday party, and Belinda Carlisle is usually crooning. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. If you were born at any uh, time over the good two decades in the last 20th century, you will remember those catchy lyrics. Heaven, Belinda says, is that heady whirlwind delight of being in love. If that's not good enough for you, you can have a bit of a Google search. You get a couple of other more moderate suggestions on the nature of heaven. Heaven is a fresh avocado. Heaven is a coffee shop with enough sockets for everyone's laptops. <laughs> heaven, and this one is from Oprah Winfrey, is a great big baked potato and someone to share it with. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Makes you wonder where Oprah gets her baked potatoes for a start. But... Um, Also, it makes you wonder, more generally, is that actually how it works? Is heaven mainly the satisfaction of our current appetites? Now, I don't want to lynch someone for the worldview that they unthinkingly embedded in an 80s pop song, okay? But it's really worth asking the question, isn't it? Is heaven just me getting what I want? Because if it is, if heaven is a full belly or a feeling of love or the relief that you're not going to run out of charge on your laptop or a calmness of mind, if heaven is that and that's it, that's actually kind of sad, isn't it? Is there not more? What is heaven and what does the Bible have to say about it? I've begun a bit glibly. Of course, it's a big and important question. All of us are heading towards eternity. Some of us are closer to it than others, but we're all going to get there. Where will we go when we get there? And if we are believers in Christ, if we are invested in eternity with him, what am I actually looking forward to? What am I holding out for? What have I put everything in Christ for? I'm going to be heard now. Brilliant. It's a good job I'm a boomer. Right, can you hear me a little bit better back there now? How's that? Good. All right. At the same time, at the same time, some of us really struggle with the idea of heaven. Perhaps we find ourselves confronted uh, with mainly just the problems of imagining uh, eternity. We can't really get our heads around it. Uh, we, we can't even think really where we might go beyond the grave without sort of getting into complex questions of sort of philosophy. And uh, that's a real tragedy for us as Christians because that's our great hope. And if it's just shrouded in confusion, it's a shame. So what do we get from these chapters here? Well, we're on to our second of the four sermons looking at these last uh, few chapters of the Bible and Revelation. They give us a picture. If you missed last week's Uh, Andrews was was great. Uh, That was the previous chapter. Today we come to the new world. And I'm hoping and praying as we consider this, 
God's world, God's new world, heaven, and I'll say why I put that in inverted commas in a moment, it's going to appear more beautiful and more perfect than we had ever known. And we, we're going to really anticipate its coming with more joy. We're going to see in the, the new heavens here, this, this new world, the news and the knots. The news, a whole load of things about it that are going to be new. And then the knots. That this world is so wonderful that when human writers need to talk about it, often all they can do is say what it isn't. So first of all, the news. God's new world is firstly a new heavens and a new earth. Chapter 21, verse 1, uh, if you've got a Bible near you, uh, do open it up and you can follow along uh, from Revelation, uh, right at the end of the Bible, 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. A new heavens and a new earth. In other words, surprisingly, perhaps, in answer to the question, uh, what is heaven? Strictly speaking, the answer is, it isn't heaven. Christians don't actually expect to go to heaven. So when Belinda said heaven is a place on earth, she was actually onto something, though she was probably too easily pleased. John says paradise is not to be lived up there rather than down here in heaven as opposed to on earth. He says, actually, it's to be found in a whole new world, wholly renewed, new earth, new heaven. So uh, if you think of it in terms of the office, you're not moving up to the next floor you know, onto the executive suite. There's a whole new building. The whole, this word, the heaven, is, is interesting in its usage in the scriptures. Most of the way through the Bible, heaven and earth are kind of used as these separate realms of existence. So heaven is the realm of God, earth is the realm of man. And so that's why we ask, God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here we see both will eventually pass away and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. Now, that turns our thinking on its head a bit. So it's going to be less fat, naked cherub with a lyre sitting on a cloud. Not so much that. And more new blossom exploding on the trees in Lloyd Park. That's the kind of thing. We look forward to new heavens and a new earth. Now, that means so many things. It means not least God values our physical world. You can tell what people value, can't you, by, by what they renew. Uh, I remember when the kids' um, screeching pretend electric guitar finally ran out of battery and stopped polluting the domestic piece of our uh, house. I did not lift even a finger to replace the battery. I do, however, I value my computer and my car. I, I have worked quite hard at renewing their lifespan over our time together. And so if God will renew this world, I take it that's because he values this world. And all of it, that's why it says, verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. So when we're thinking about our lives, we don't divide into spiritual things and physical, lesser things. It's not like, oh, we've got daily time of quiet and prayer and meditation, small group, going to church. And that's sort of, you know, that's kind of lasting. And then, then there's the other kind of, lesser things that we sort of do while we're waiting for our soul to depart, like shifting numbers around a spreadsheet or teaching the water cycle to children or installing bathrooms or whatever, whatever it is you do. It's not like that. That's, that's a false dichotomy for Christians. 
I take it there were going to be spreadsheets and water cycles, and if not bathrooms, plenty of sparkling marble surfaces in the new heavens and the new earth. At least, if not spreadsheets, there's going to be things you can count. There will be water to drink. There will be the most stunning architecture imaginable in the new heavens and the earth. Now, it's going to be new. It's going to be different. Those spreadsheets will not be used to gain unfair economic advantage. There will be no red numbers in any of the cells on your spreadsheets. All your formulae will always work. For some of you, that is an amazing thought. (laughs) The new Earth's water cycle will not suffer pollution. Nor will there be irrigation for some and drought for others. The buildings in this new Earth will not be to the glory of proud human owners, but they will be to the glory of God alone. It will be a new heavens and a new Earth, but it will still be a new heavens and a new Earth Now, there's much more we could say about that, but let's keep going. That's one of the news. The second one, I'm going to talk about the New Jerusalem next week. The second thing I'd like us to notice is a new economy, a new economy. Verse 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my child." In this world, they say uh, there is no such thing as a free lunch. In fact, sometimes it feels a bit awkward, doesn't it, just asking for a free glass of water. Turns out, in eternity, there is free water, water without payment. The water of life, water that gives you eternal life for anyone who is thirsty. And you can drink without cost, and our gracious God will charge no fees. That is a wonderful picture of faith, isn't it? Perhaps you worry, you know, you don't have enough to give to God. Your spiritual CV is just too full of some particular sin to make the grade for eternal life. Or perhaps you look around this building and you look at all the good-looking, tidy-looking people and you think neither this church nor the new heavens and the new earth are the place for me. I'm no good. Well, let me say, first of all, you got this church wrong. Uh, All of us who are here, we're we're only here because we know we're a spiritual mess. We need God's mercy But even if you actually objectively were at the bottom of the pile morally, there is no difference between each of us because God's everlasting favor is a gift. It's not something we buy or we earn by our moral record. It needs to be accepted. Water without price. But gifts do need to be accepted. And I guess that's worth saying here. And so does our salvation. And that can be hard. You know, Part of us, I guess, would love to arrive at eternity, you know, having, we've really, we've really done well in this world. And we sort of, we arrive with our wad of moral traveler's checks. uh, And uh, that's all our good deeds, you know, and we say, well, Lord, you know, I've, I've done this. It's pretty good. You might want to look through that and probably give me some benefits here. Some of us like that idea. But let us not think that. Let's not think we're going to pay our way in eternity. Listen to God. He says, to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To the thirsty. So perhaps I'm going to ask you this morning, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for eternity? Are you desperate for life from God? And I want to be straight with you. If you believe you're okay because you're a good person and you're enough, you're full, you're not thirsty. This water is not something that you're after. But if you are weary of do-it-yourself morality, 
If you're tired of keeping up the appearance of goodness, if you, if you know you feel to meet even your own meager standards, let alone God's, if you're thirsting for love and reassurance and yet you're unsatisfied, then there's great news for you. You can come. You can leave your independent life behind and you can come to God with your hands out, ready to receive, ask him to quench your thirst. And he promises to do that. He promises to start doing that right now, today, and perfectly in eternity. That's God's new economy. Okay, so those are the, those are the news. What about the knots? Well, first of all, there'll be no chaos. There'll be no chaos. Then I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. Now, I'm a, I'm a windsurfer, so I, I struggle initially with this one. The sea was no more. I rather like my water, the sea especially. But you need to know that in the Old Testament, that the foaming, crashing sea is this great picture of untamed chaos. And so our writer wants to say, look, eternity is going to be a place without a sea. No chaos. A place of supreme and perfect order in which the random or at least unforeseeable events of our world no longer happen. No more havoc of another earthquake or a tsunami or a volcano, no chaos. Second, no crying. Verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying. I want you to just think about this image of just amazing tenderness. When was the last time someone wiped away your tears? I'm not saying listened to you, comforted you, put an arm around you, even handed you a Kleenex. When was the last time someone actually wiped the tears away from your eyes? That is how we are to understand the compassion, the intimate love of the Lord for us in eternity. Isn't that amazing? There won't just be no more crying. The Lord himself will wipe away our tears And our greatest grief at that is not too much for him. And that gives us so much hope right now, doesn't it? Perhaps you're laid low with sadness right now and you can't see a way out. Um, Perhaps you're really saddened by a relationship that's just turned irredeemably sour. Perhaps you're overwhelmed by suffering. Uh, Perhaps it's a missed opportunity, a deep regret. Um... These are the things we're going to confront, even amongst friends. But if you're a Christian, hear this, take it to heart. God will wipe away. One day, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. No chaos, no crying, no death, and no dying. Verse 4, halfway through, death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Death is a is a great invader, an intruder, isn't it? It's the robber of futures, it's the separator of loved ones, and it will be no more. Sure, uh, many of us are going to be thinking about that, particularly with, with Jeff dying recently. All good things come to an end, they say. But the amazing thought for Christians is in the new creation, quite the opposite will be true. No good thing will come to an end again. So there will be no more death, but it says even more than that, there'll be no more dying. 
neither shall there be pain anymore. That's all part of our kind of decaying world, isn't it? So think about your bathroom cabinet or wherever you store it, all the paracetamol, the codeine, the hormone replacements, the statins, the wrinkle cream. Just imagine, great big hand, straight off into the bin. No more need for any of those things. No more new hips, no more new livers, no more new hearts. Because our resurrection bodies will enjoy a new kind of life that doesn't have to battle for survival anymore. The forces of time are not going to ravage us anymore. So, a word perhaps particularly for those this morning who are suffering from disability. Or perhaps you've got some kind of degenerative disease or chronic pain that's catching up with you. And perhaps you are increasingly desperate. Lord, will it please end? Well, let me say to you, in the sweep of eternity, not long now. Not long now. We believe that when we die, our pain will end. And that's not because we're not going to be there anymore to suffer it. But because death won't be there anymore to make us suffer. You get the difference? Our pain finishes, not because we're not there anymore, because death won't be there anymore to make us suffer. You are going to outlive your pain if you're a Christian. That is good news, isn't it? Because there are days when you wake up and you think, this thing's going to finish me off. That is quite something. No death, no dying, and finally, no vice and no victims. No chaos, no crying, no death and no dying, no vice and no victims. It was quite a change of gear, wasn't it? We had this soaring vision, and then we got to the end of verse 8, and it gets pretty heavy again. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What a strange way to end this section, speaking of sin again. Why is this important? Well, it's important because the new heavens and the new earth, they're not just going to have like a spring clean, you know, get rid of all all the dirt, but then it can sort of grow again. The results of God's renewal won't be undone shortly afterwards. There will be no vice, no sin, and of course, therefore, no victims, no locks on the doors in heaven. Because you're not worried about what someone's going to come and do. But of course... The bitter end for the perpetrators of all this stuff brings us up short. You know, I mean, some of them we haven't, perhaps haven't taken someone's life, but have we not lied? Um, you know, have we not been cowardly? Have we not failed in our faith? And so we read it and we think, well, does this mean I'm not, I'm not included? Well, we could say much to this. There's another verse uh, in the scriptures uh, in 1 Corinthians 6 where um, Paul puts it like this. He says, look, Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And you start reading, you think, oh dear, well, it's clearly excluded for me. But then he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So this is what we we have from the Lord, that he washes away all of our sin. And today we know that in faith, because all of us still battle with it day to day, One day we'll wash it away completely. So if we feel like we fall in this category today, one day we will not. And so I want to leave you really with that thought. That each of us might have the confidence and the trust in Jesus 
to know that we will be washed, sanctified, justified in the name of him so that we would live to see God's new world. And, you know, if you're not sure whether that's you or you've got concerns about that, uh, I'd love to speak to you about that. You go over and get some prayer ministry as well uh, this evening. If there are other things that, you know, you've really worked through this morning that you'd love some prayer for as you want to lean into the hope of eternity, do um, come and speak to someone or, or grab some prayer ministry at the back. May we too experience God's new heavens, God's new earth, his new economy, and enjoy an eternity of no chaos, no crying, no death, no dying, no vice, and no victims with him. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.